welcome to Skin Out, a podcast celebrating all the people them that want to skin out, enjoy and show out. These are the stories of people of colour taking up space in the kink and fetish scene. I'm your host, Tony, and I hope you're ready because we're about to go on a sexual journey. In each episode, we'll meet a brand new guest, delve into their sexual past and tread alongside them as they divulge their exploits in desire. Today, I am joined by the wonderful Levon the Don. She, her, a black queer woman from London who hosts, DJs, models, acts, writes and entertains. She prides herself in being a multifaceted baddie who loves all things music, sex positivity and personal development. Oh, what don't you do, Lizzie? <laughs> I don't sleep sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> now, why is that? Well, if I'm not, you know having a wank or <laughs> listening to music over and over again I'm usually on Netflix doing what I do best relaxing <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us your energy is just very infectious you're very comfortable within yourself and you're very open about your uh, well to me anyway very open to me <laughs> 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 your your sex life, your sexual journey, your sexuality. Mm. And I really want other people to sort of be able to look and have a peek into that themselves. Yeah, so, sneak peek. Let's talk about sex, baby. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I'm excited. Where do you want to start? What sex means to me. Okay. So I'm 28 years old, turning 29. I've been on a journey just through life, but in the past maybe six, seven years of rediscovering sexuality, sensuality, and just coming to terms with what it means to me and releasing the shame. Because there's often so much shame attached to being a sensual person, being someone who just inherently likes to like learn about sex and intimacy and relationships. And I feel like I'm at a point in life where I just feel very comfortable with myself. I feel very proud of you know constantly trying new things communicating clearly and seeing sex as a research topic as well as play so through sex I get to know more about myself more about my partners and also I just have so much fun I just feel like it's the best topic to talk about I like embarrassing moments I like awkwardness because I feel like it's just comedic genius so for me talking about sex and seeing how people talk differently about it and how people respond to it When were you first aware of sex or yourself as being a sexual person? I think that I was quite a late bloomer. So maybe 15, 16 was when I realised that I myself have agency and like I have some type of pleasure. Like that's when it clicked in my head. Before that, I was like a perpetual crusher. I love romance. I love, but like even if I crushed on people like intensely and for months, I would never really dream of like having sex with them. I'd more dream of like kissing, the intimacy. There was no like reference point for me. I'd seen it on shows, but it didn't translate to me being a sexual being. And I think that I also kind of stifled my natural sensuality because I was always being told I was always being told like to not put so much Vaseline on my lips for example because it was like why am I trying to attract attention to my lips and there were all of these like 
strange hints and like just things and energies put on me by like whether it's my parents or my family and I just kind of felt guilty for like existing sometimes but I didn't realize it was because of that sensuality that's oozing from inside of me so yeah that's kind of when I first remember and were they were they saying all these things when you were younger yeah so like even when so I have like a very small bust it's giving a cup and I remember when I first started budding so like my nipples went from being flat to like you know a bit of like meat around them but it wasn't quite a boob yet I remember like just being a bit uncomfortable because my clothes didn't fit the same and knowing that if I'm wearing a vest like you can really see something and people are staring at me but it was more it wasn't like it wasn't attention from men it was more comments from like my my cousins that are like my mom's age or my mom saying like you know uh, make sure you dress appropriately don't want to like titillate people and it's like she's not she wasn't coming from a place of like shaming me but that's how it felt she was coming from a place of she had an experience when she was young of getting boobs really quickly and then feeling that attention shift and then hating it so she was kind of trying to protect me from that and like safeguard me but the way that everyone else's comments were made it, it kind of made me feel like my existence is like I'm, I'm being a flirt when I wasn't like I'm just a flirty person and that, and that is so common for young black girls yeah we get hypersexualized from a very young age yeah and we're seen as these sexual women. I'm seen as fast and, yeah. Yeah. and it's so bizarre like I had no desire to even be seen in that way and when I did I was like I mean I still don't really have boobs so like what am I going to use <laughs> I was still trying to figure that out but I felt like there was no natural progression of me coming to like my body and just get used to my body changing because also I kind of I think it was like year seven I was always slim but then I got hips so like over summer I kind of shut up a little bit all of a sudden my hips and my waist were not the same. I was like, oh, I'm seeing a little dip here. Yeah, and I didn't, I was like, oh my gosh, is this womanhood? And I remember like even my dad making comments like, oh, you know, when, when girls start to get hips or whatever, they've definitely been having sex. Yeah, and I was just like, the correlation is very much missing. <laughs> um, but it was all of these, I guess, like stereotypes and also like this energy that was put on me before I was even sexually active my mum will make comments like oh I know you're a freak and all of this and I'm like I what? I haven't even kissed anyone yet I haven't kissed anyone till 22 I don't like people like that you need to get out of my space <laughs> so I was just kind of like why am I made to feel guilty about something that one I haven't even done and two there's actually no shame around it like it's a normal human thing and you guys are doing it adults are doing it all the time teens are doing it to discover themselves I'm really just trying to read my books and my, my business and I'm receiving all of this energy so it was a, it was a very strange period I, I can remember when I was younger I was also very straight down mm. it's only been recently that I kind of get more curves I've got boobs and a bum yeah I was straight down stick like a boy <laughs> so skinny and I remember that when I first got my bra my first bra I was so excited that yeah we bought one, it was a training bra, and we were walking around a uh, sports director at the time and I hid in between the clothes rails I'm to dead. put on the sports bra, under, like I put it because over my leg. Fit, yeah. yeah, I was so excited, I was like, put it on. And then, you know, when I put it on, I was, because I was so excited, mm. I was made to feel bad for it. Yeah, like, like, why are you so, why are you rushing yeah, to? Yeah, what, what's the rush? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you just ruined a very happy moment for me yeah. because you saw it as this 
deviant yeah yeah deviant sexual thing and really it's just me getting really excited because i'm starting to look like you yeah and my other female relatives yeah and my body is me. changing yeah. yeah it's a good thing it's a positive thing it's something that should be celebrated mm. rather than condemned yeah condemned that's the word because that's how it felt i felt like any display of like women's sexuality was condemned even like beyonce being on the tv screens and just any anybody that i enjoyed listening to there was that oh what do you think they're talking about and oh um what do you know about that like baby boy when Beyonce was like conceive an angel I knew what that meant yeah I did because I knew from context I was like angel is giving baby vibes conceive I don't know what that word means but it kind of sounds like make it's giving make but I remember when my mum was like do you know what that means I was like nope child I was not I was not playing myself that day I said I have no idea mummy no but I was smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you didn't have your first kiss until you were 22 years mm-hmm. old? Or um, was it 20, potentially 21? No, I think it was 22. Yeah. What was that like? Oh my gosh. It was divine, child. Mm. Oh, it was, was like... Was it worth the wait? Yeah. And also like, I'm not, I'm physically intimate now. But before, I was not a touchy-feely person and I actually felt quite, um, my energy felt like I would repel people from being too close to me if I didn't, like, if I wasn't obsessed with them. Even just friends, like, I felt very uncomfortable in hugs, just everyday hugs, hugs, leave me alone, like, stop touching me. I just remember feeling like, ew, get off of me. Um, So when I was, like, you know, ready for this first kiss, it also wasn't spontaneous. Well, the kiss itself was spontaneous, but it was planned in that basically my ex at the time, he was living in another city. So when I went to see him, we knew what we had planned for that weekend. But then Mother Nature was like, no, you're getting your period. I was like, Borsnor, we can still do some other stuff. First kiss and first of many other things happened on that day. (laughs) And I was just like, zero to 100, why not? (laughs) And I loved it. And I just felt like it was so romantic so sweet and the start of my obsession with Lipsyn my favourite thing ever oh child let me not get hot <laughs> <laughs> and then and then from there it was just no going back right no going back but I will say that I still felt like so when we were in public and he was just trying to lips me I was like you're doing way too much because his love language was physical touch but he didn't understand that it's already a lot for me to I, I need to be in a zone where like I cannot see anyone around me that's not the zone I'm in every time I'm linking up with you I'm hyper aware of everything that's happening all the time so I just felt like I want stuff to be private I'm trying to link you on the train. I'm saying, hey, just give me a peck in the meantime. Yeah, We're just trying to get on public transport. I don't need people to see me, you know, sucking your tongue on the central line. Like, baby, it was just like, I think sometimes he said he felt like rejected by it. And I was like, that's something you need to unpack because I've already explained to you that I don't perceive physical touch and love in the same way that you do. And if I say it's too much, then relax. I don't want to feel under duress that there are, I feel like cameras are watching me in an intimate moment. That's how it feels, but not in a fun way. I remember like it did take a while for our like styles and love languages to match. Yeah, kissing is still one of my favourite 
hobbies in life. <laughs> a hobby, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hobby, hobbies and talents. <laughs> and I remember practicing on my hand. No. And I was like watching videos because obviously everyone was doing that in school, whatever. But I was not lipsing anyone in school. They were all dusty. And my mom said, focus on your books. So I was focusing on my books. But also I didn't like anyone enough to feel comfortable even like hugging for an extended period of time, let alone sharing germs. No, I'm a very scornful person. Um, so yeah, I remember like I was like on YouTube, there used to be the channels like, I think it's called How Cut or How To, but you like search how to kiss or like how to salsa. How There was even one video, how to wine. It was horrendous though. It was really bad. Like it was not how we wine, but I was like, okay, I'm really, really researching this. And then I'll use my hand and I'm like, okay, so one lip is going to be here. The other lip is going to be there. And my lips are almost amazing. No complaints. 10 out of 10. <laughs> you know what? We, we have to start somewhere. <laughs> At least it wasn't a pillow. I'm a high achiever. I said, I'm really coming in here being the best kiss you've ever had in your life. That was my aim. <laughs> that was my aim. Oh, Lily. You've always had male partners, right? Yes. I actually have not dated that much. Uh-huh. So my ex, I was with for five years. He was my first kiss, first sexual partner, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm with a guy, a beautiful guy, an amazing guy, a sweet guy right now. So yeah, I haven't really dated much. Also, my kind, my trope is like friend to bestie to soulmate. So it doesn't really leave much room. Like I, tr- I tried to date and it just didn't really work. Like I didn't end up linking up with people because... You know, these apps, they're just horrendous. And my standards are just really high. And I was like, I don't have the capacity to care enough to continue a conversation enough to, like, date you. So, yeah, I've, I've always dated men. In 2021, I realised that I was queer and that I was um, attracted to men and women. But it was really funny because it wasn't profound. It wasn't, it wasn't this, like, epiphany. I didn't, like, fall in love with a girl over summer and realise, oh, my gosh, like, I've been in love with girls this whole time. It was just, like, I was having a conversation with two of my friends. One of them was like, how come you're so invested in, like, the LGBTQ community when you're straight and when you grew up in, like, you know, quite a homophobic um, environment? And I was like, I just feel like it's so illogical to be homophobic. And I was homophobic until I was, like... I don't know, 16. And in my head, I thought I wasn't because I was like, I don't hate them. I just feel like they should keep that to themselves. Like that was my mentality. I was homophobic light, as I like to call it. And people didn't really explain how homophobia can show up. So the teacher kind of was like in like PSHE or whatever the topic was. If you are uncomfortable when you see two men or two women kissing, you're homophobic. And that kind of just shut the conversation down because actually I was uncomfortable seeing straight people kissing too. I was like, do do you not have a house? Like... Can you keep that somewhere else? So I didn't understand how um, homophobia can be internalised. I didn't understand how it manifests. And I also just never saw any queerness in black environments or black queerness until I was like an adult. And that's when I just was like always going hard because I was like, I feel seen. I feel connected to this community, but I didn't really figure out why. Then I was like, oh, I've actually had crushes on women since primary school. But because I never envisioned what life could be like with a woman, I just assumed I was straight because I liked men more. Then I just didn't realise, I guess, that I was queer. I was talking to one of my friends who's also queer and she had the same experience, but just like a few years before me. Um, So it was quite funny because we were like, yeah, we really thought we were doing allyship. 
And then we were like, oh, wait, I'm you, you're me. But yeah, that's kind of my trajectory. I also feel like because I like women more in general than men as people, my connection with women is often more platonic because I value sisterhood so much that I almost don't want to mess it up to try and see if there's any sexual or like romantic chemistry, um, which is something that I just, I realized like, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just overthinking it basically. Like it's not that deep. The same way that with guys, if they're not up to par, they're not going to attract me. The same way with girls, but I just haven't had a girl that's, you know, spun my head yet. <laughs> and because I'm with my partner now and we're, we're like monogamous-ish, which we're figuring out polyamory but he's like my main partner and I'm his main partner and I don't have the desire to and I don't have the capacity actually to love more than one person romantically at a time because I'm so intense and I'm so this is my all my all my partners knew slash know um that I'm queer and it's something that they embrace and not like fetishize which is important for me that's where I'm at right now <laughs> how, um, how do you navigate your queerness having only been with male partners because it's something that it's something that I sort of struggle with sometimes mm. as well because you know you say you're queer and then they only people only see you with men and you're like yeah. trying to prove your queerness yeah and it can be quite hard to do especially when you're so used to heteronormativity you know? exactly like, I'm so used to being with men I only started dating I only started having sex and dating women in my 20s mm. no, so that's 23 so I've yeah. 23 years with men that's all I knew yeah exactly and I feel like that's my safety blanket mm. and I think that's why I I end up mostly with, with men. men I think for me when I first realized that I was queer I was with my ex at the time and then a few months later we broke up and I was like okay like I'm not heartbroken anymore we move type thing. I was like, this is great. But then I was like, oh my gosh, I need to date women. Like I need to date women right now. Like I remember feeling this like insane pressure that I put on myself to, I guess, prove my queerness to myself. And then I was just speaking to like some of my other friends that are like either bisexual or pansexual and are just a bit older than me and also black and West Indian backgrounds. Um, so I'm Jamaican and Bajan. And I found it super useful because a lot of them had already had that experience and then they were f four steps ahead. So they were literally like, just calm down. You don't need to put pressure on yourself to date all the women because when you were straight or when you thought you were straight, you weren't dating all the men. And I was like, you're right. So I just took the pressure of myself. I, I, I realized that as long as I'm not minimizing my attraction or the potential for me to love a woman for the sake of a man, then... I'm good because I did have the feeling of I didn't want to come out of a long-term monogamous straight relationship to go back into that kind of environment without understanding myself properly and without there being transparency on the fact that I'm not just attracted to men and that it's not like oh yeah you want to have sex with women as an experiment and then you know I'm always going to be here like no I could fall in love with a woman. So you need to value that as much as you value the heteronormative version of what a relationship looks like. And thankfully, I've only I've only been in safe spaces. So all of the sexual experiences I've had have been positive. I haven't really been in or around men that, well, like not intimately, that make me feel like, 
oh, this is a fetish and they just want to see a woman having sex with a woman and them being there. He understand my partner understands me as a whole person and all the elements to me. And if I didn't understand that about myself, then I would not have been in a position to advocate for myself in that way. So I kind of just do me. And I also am constantly reading and learning and, you know, getting like interesting content from other queer people that remind me, like, you don't need to prove your queerness. Whether you've only dated men and you end up only dating men in the future, but like, because that's who you end up attracted to, you don't have to prove your attraction to women. And so I think once I took that pressure off myself, I guess I didn't have to force anything. And I don't have that feeling of I'm not being true to myself. Have you have you been able to explore your queerness in other ways with your current partner? Yes. Exploring and being transparent about like my sexual fantasies, his sexual fantasies, and like constantly being in a space of communication means that if I have a fantasy or something that I feel like I really, really love, but it's also connected to my queerness. So like for me, I like DL porn the most. So DL porn is like download porn. So it's like, you know, when gay guys are like not out. Oh. Yeah, especially like the ones that like dress very straight, like the trade, like trade, like proper roadman vibe. I like watching videos of them getting like sucked off by a guy in like a balaclava or whatever. Or like, basically, I realized that I'm attracted to taboo. So for me, if something's taboo, it turns me on the most. It's like that forbidden love trope, but it's like, the sexual aspect of it you can't express these desires so your horniness is like at a hundred because you know that this is something you're quote-unquote not supposed to be doing because you're either telling yourself you're not gay or like you don't feel like you'll be accepted but like less of the tragedy I'm not looking at the whole story I'm just looking at this scene where you guys are both hiding and there's just so much passion resistance and it's like fighting against their desires but they can't stop them and oh I just there's something about it like <laughs> there's something about it I really love homoerotic sports as well UFC they're basically like wrestling each other on the floor I'd be like mm, tap out baby yeah like I find it so hot and um, I'm like always talking about it yeah, it's not something that I'm like, oh, I'm not going to tell my man. He's not insecure. He's 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 um, cisgendered and he's straight, but he doesn't have any like insecurities surrounding what I find attractive. And he doesn't feel like, oh, because I find this attractive, I want him to now, you know, be attracted to men. But yeah, we always talk about like our different fantasies. I've also explored um, sex parties. I want to explore some more, but it's nice exploring them with my partner because then I'm not as nervous and also it's something new we're doing together and that's really fun for me. I love the novelty of like doing something for the first time or the second time but with somebody you really trust and like have this love and bond with. I feel like as well because of that communicative vibe it doesn't have I don't have this feeling of I need to put myself in a box or I need to present myself in a certain way like whether I I'm feeling like a more masculine energy today or a more feminine energy in the way I want to dress, whether I was straight or, you know, queer, I don't have a feeling of, is a man going to find me attractive because of this? Because I know that my energy and my attraction already brought him to me and vice versa. So there's there's a lot of freedom in like 
being your whole self with your partner and them constantly trying to understand you. I think when he asked me questions about my queerness, I'm like, sometimes I didn't think of the question and it causes me to have something to think about. Um, I feel like being in a safe space with my partner is top tier because nothing is like off limits in conversation. And if I did, especially because, you know, we're exploring what polyamory and what like non-monogamy looks like to us. If I had the desire to maybe explore with a woman, whether that's romantically or sexually, then I feel like it's not a hard conversation that we would have. We could come to an agreement on what we would both feel comfortable with and what we wouldn't feel comfortable with, but it doesn't it doesn't feel restrictive and it doesn't feel controlling or possessive. And that's my favourite type of love, a love that lets you flourish and be like the best and most expansive version of yourself. And you can just have fun, have fun and have each other's backs and know that you have your person and they have you. It's given um, Bonnie and Clyde. Speaking of fantasies, why don't you tell us a few of yours? Because some, you don't know this, but Lavon has a sexual bucket list <laughs> that she shared a few things with me. And um, I thought it was a really cool idea. I don't think, did you come up with the idea? No. So basically, I follow this absolute babe um, called Glamazon Tayomi. And basically, you know how I was saying before how I used to go on YouTube for like research. So I was like, how to ride dick. So I was researching that on YouTube. And ladies and gents, and days, she is typing on her finger as if she's looking for it right now. So basically, when I was Googling like and researching how to ride, because like I said, high achiever, I needed to make sure I was doing bits. Um, Her videos came up and she has loads of videos about like how to ride your partner really well and just like sex positions. And she's just a sex educator and she's just such a babe. So I've been following her since I was like 16. And she tweeted that she has a sexual bucket list and she asked if anyone else has one and she listed some of the things on hers. And I was like, what a brilliant idea as somebody who loves to plan. I love a list. I love a whiteboard. I love a checklist, the tick box. I said, "Mm, this is a bit of me. So that's how it came about. I was like, this is amazing. And then I went on Instagram and was like, guys, have you heard about the sexual bucket list? What's on yours? What's on mine? And then so I was just, okay, so let me think. Uh, it's on my phone, actually. Um, should mm. I check? I think you should check. Okay. Get your phone. <laughs> let me get my phone. I'm actually so funny. Why is it in my notes? Ah, I'm so funny. Okay, it's giving sexual bucket list. Three of the things on my list. Edging. You can do it on yourself or with your partner and you can do it like regardless of your genitalia. But basically it's like touching yourself or masturbating or wanking someone off I need to like think of a cuter word for wank but that's just my favorite word wanking someone off until the point of orgasm but then you when they're almost at the orgasm or when you are if you're touching yourself you stop and then you calm down breathe etc for vulva owners it's a good way to have like multiple orgasms but I've been having those you know what I'm saying like I've been on there and with penis owners it helps to like last longer but also I just love the tease element like teasing for me is like really hot fucking on a balcony period I haven't done that yet and I just feel like it's just so iconic and all of the sex scenes that I like the most in like tv shows and movies like they're usually like some element of like voyeurism people potentially seeing them so on a balcony's lit attend a shabari workshop 
that's on my list as well. Like the art of tying people up and being tied up. Plus, I'm really good with my hands in sex and just in life. Like I can do hair, I can DJ. Like I'm just really good with my hands. So I feel like Shabari would be a good way of using that skill, but like for sensual play. So do you see yourself as the person tying? Um, yes, but also being tied up. But basically, I did a BDSM test because, like I said, I'd be researching myself. So my man sent me a BDSM test, I remember. Um, it's like a love language test, but you just, you know. Oh, yeah, I know about it. Yeah, you said, I know I, that. I know that one. <laughs> I'm probably, you probably sent it to me. <laughs> but I did the test and one of the things it said I was was a rigger. I said, what's that? Because that sounds really close to another word that is very discriminatory. No. And I was like, if that's what they're calling me, I'm going to have some words. But no, they said that a rigger. <laughs> they said that a rigger is someone that likes to tie people up. And I was like, well, that makes sense because I feel like I've heard rig in um, maritime conversations like regarding ships and stuff. And I also, I love the element of me being tied up, but I also love the power and also just like the creativity, like seeing how well I can do it, making sure I do it um, tailored to them so they're comfortable but have enough restriction to like feel some type of added pleasure. I'm, I'm a switch as well, so I'm dominant and submissive. So I feel like the versatility means I can really, I can really do it up, you know. Oh, I want to attend a dominatrix workshop or class because I have it in me by default. As much as I'm a switch, I've always been able to command attention. Like, I feel like when you're a host as well, you're just the the baddest bee to ever do it. Like you are making sure everyone pays attention to you and you're setting rules in place. And I love rules. So yeah, I would love to do a dominatrix workshop because also I think like if you just try to do certain things, especially in the kink realm without guidance, like you can really injure yourself or the person. So I want to learn how to like flog someone safely and like the pressure points that are to avoid and things like that. Because I've had like I've I've had I've um listened to and watched like different conversations on YouTube and just my media is like a lot of kink people and sex positivity people but I want to go for myself I've been leaning into my dom side quite a bit mm. recently and again because of like the the power play that happens yeah that. and I also recently learned how to vlog properly Ooh. I was so timid at the start I was like, like how do I it's yeah just, I feel like a paddle is so much easier okay there's less things happening whereas yeah. a vlogger you have all these um blaze, tails, tails yeah tassels tassels yeah, yeah. They all like hang around, and it feels like they can be long, they can be short. Yeah, and it's just very intimidating, and it can go in the wrong places. Exactly. Because if you hit that on the bum, and then one of the if that accidentally hits you on the pussy, oh my word, that's hmm. happened to me. It has. Yeah. Oh. I was like, ouch. <laughs> yeah, if it's too close to the middle of your bum, like where the crack is, then one of the tassels can like whip you. Oh. Yeah. On you, okay. I was thinking more hitting the person. Doing the flogging, hitting no, the like, lever back on them, hitting them. That would be funny. <laughs> I find sex so funny also. I like laughing during sex. I think some people don't have as great sex as they can because they're too stiff. Too serious, isn't it? Yeah, like if you queef, if you don't know what queef means, it's a fanny fart. It's when it goes, when there's air in there. But yeah, if you queef, like 
get a grip. It's funny. It is. I remember the the first time I successfully did anal, mm. and um, after it felt like everything was coming out. I was fart in bed. Um, the, yes, you'd and, be like. Um, <laughs> no, no. The worst part is we walk in like, after. I was like, oh my god, um, babe, I think I'm gonna shoot myself. Right. It felt like I was gonna shoot myself. Yeah. Because it felt like everything was coming back out. Yeah. It feels and- like um, you're emptying the vowels. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, we were able to laugh about it. Yeah. We were able to laugh about it. <laughs> because it's true as well. Like, how can you be vulnerable and be literally spread eagle or whichever position you like the most without some element of, like, comfort? Like, if something happens or even just, you know, like, when you're changing positions and then you, like, smack each other in the head or something. <laughs> like, if you don't laugh, that's so awkward. But I think I'll find that hilarious, like, what, if I saw it, because I love awkwardness. But I can't envision it because I'm just quite a goofy person. So I can go from, like, super sensual and, like, in the zone, seductress, like, we about to get it on, to, like, ha, 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 that's hilarious, and then back again. I enjoy that aspect of sex the most. The laughter, the aftercare, you know, when you're giggling, when you both can't breathe and you're like, whew, that's the funniest bit. Like, that's the bit also that I feel like you bond the most in. Because you're just enjoying each other's company. Mm -hmm. And even if it's a quickie, even if it's like someone you're having casual sex with, like you have to like each other. How are you? I don't understand how people are sleeping with people they don't like. I can't fathom it because I'm one, I'm scornful. Two, I'm just so irritable. I just can't fathom like sex being good enough for me to want somebody in my presence that doesn't actually bring me joy. But yeah, you're so right. Sex should always be very fun mm. and it shouldn't be so serious. Yeah, like you're literally playing. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Shan Booty, Shan Boodram. I love her. She's like a sexologist um, and she was like, sex is like the adult version of playing. Yeah, and I was that's like... Why it's called, that's why people in the King Confederacy and we call it play. Play parties, exactly. It's and I think party. it's so true. And I think that when people think of it like that as well, it takes so much pressure off mm-hmm. because you're not thinking about how does my body look and, oh, I have this insecurity and are they going to notice? You're actually like, oh, this is jokes. If it doesn't go well this time, hey, we'll try something different. If it does go well, cool, let's try that again. You see it as less um, of a chore. Because even when people like sex, I do think people see it as a chore. So, yeah, it takes that pressure off. (laughs) Playtime. We're going to leave it on that wonderfully delicious note. Thank you, LaVon. Thank you. So much for joining me, joining us, sharing your story and allowing us to be a part of it. And thank you, lovely listeners, for tuning in. Let us know your thoughts and carry on the conversation with the hashtag SkinOutPod. And don't forget to do all the good things that you do with your regular podcast. Give us a good rating, share on social media and tell your family and friends. See you next week.